Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So I actually hate public speaking, and <laughs> this is super awkward. But I feel very badly for St. Mary um, that we're not talking about her um, during her fast, but all of the saints are her kids, so I'm pretty sure she's, she's good with it. Um, I think we don't talk enough about the lives of the saints. Um, it used to be a big thing growing up. Like, it was a very big thing, and if we got, like, saint pictures as gifts, that was, like, a really big deal. Um, now people are like, what do I do with this? Um, but the saints are a big deal, not just because we're trying to sing a bunch of mumbo-jumbo at them or about them. Um, the wall of fame here serves a purpose um, because when we're trying to figure out how to do things, how to live things, what it means in real life, almost everybody says they want something relatable, right? And so learning the lives of normal people that became abnormal um, by societal standards um, can be really helpful. Um, and St. Pope Krullos, um He's not someone that I actually talk a lot about. I did the GYP on this, and unfortunately, one person's here who was there. Um, so just pretend it's all news to you. Um, but St. Pope Corliss is an interesting one because he lived in our time. So many people that you've met cross paths with him probably historically in real life. Um, you might have been affected by him. And I think that most of us only know like the miracle side of him. Um, growing up, I didn't really like him. I thought his picture was petrifying. Um, and there was like one on our kitchen, on our fridge, that if I ever was going to sneak food, I'm like, I won't do it, I'm sorry. Because the look <laughs> that he gives was absolutely petrifying. Um, and so I'm going to break up his life. I'm using predominantly the, the, the book that most of you have either read or been made aware of by Abuna Daniel Fanus. Um, I think it's the best a thing available to us in English because it amalgamates all the existing sources plus the interviews plus the letters of Pope Krolos where we can hear his own voice. Um, so I'm asking if you're not able to come every night, I'm not trying to be egotistical, this is about Pope Krolos, not me, to follow, like to hear them after because I think people's least favorite talk might be tonight even though I think tonight's is one of the most important because people like the fireworks, they want the miracles, the exorcisms, um, they want all the, the big stories. But part of the point to me is, is trying to point out that you don't, um, you don't get better at something in a vacuum, right? You, you change because of real life. And I think that we forget that this lived in real life. And so, and that's why I'm starting with Pope Carlos as someone tangible, somebody accessible, um, that it's like the staple of every Christian home. You're going to see a picture of Pope Krolos somewhere up on the wall. Um, and it's like, who, who's that guy in our Canadian friends thinks a terrorist, right? That at least now you can have a real sense of who he, of who he is. Um, especially because I think Pope Krolos today, who's celebrated, I think we don't realize that part of the reason, in my view, that he's so big today is because of how not big he was while he was alive. Um, we, we don't realize how difficult Pope Krulis' life was, um, not just in, in, in the normal sense, but he wasn't really liked by the majority when he was alive. We tend to think that these people were 
everybody is Habibi, but not necessarily. And I think we want Pope Krullos specifically to be different um, than who he was, and I think it might be because we don't like work. So the first be his life up to the permission to go to the monastery. Okay, um, that's something. Bear with me. Find it the most dry um, of the talks. I don't, but too bad for you. Um, the second two will be two halves of his monastic life because that's the majority of his life. There is the the quiet side of it and the serving side of it. Um, and then the last one will be um, some meditations from his very short um, time as patriarch, who's only on the throne for twelve years, um, and what. I think made it um, one of the most remarkable 12 years in the history of the Coptic Orthodox Church. Um, in his own words, I'll start with his own sentence, my parents raised me in the fear of God, right? And it's so Pope Krudlos to start off by giving credit to someone else. Um, like just, I want you to, like what we're going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be biographical. I won't put too much of my own thought in the telling of the story. And then at the end of each one, I'll meditate on some things just so that we're not constantly interrupting um, what happened. But I, what I would ask from you before I get back into it is, I want you to be meditating while you're hearing on the fact that this is a real human being. God willing, on the next three, um, I'll have like a, like, a, like a video of pictures playing in the background. I didn't get to, um, I want to hear just so that you have a face in front of you that you're paying attention to because he's so real um, as we're going along. And think on your own meditations as you're hearing it of whether you would have thought the way he thinks made the same decisions that he made or if you heard this story while he was alive if you would have thought he was crazy or normal just because then you can get more into it about what he's like so and and have in mind last preface sorry it's a really long intro for an intro lecture um have in mind <laughs> during this that what was established in this period of his life, this first period, this is what would carry him through his monastic life and his papacy, right? That he didn't become Pope Krulus after he graduated from Baramos, right? This is where Pope Krulus was, was, was made, okay? He's born August 2nd, turn of the century, 1902, allegedly in Tukhin Nasara, which means the region of the Christians, in Menufeya. And I'm saying allegedly because he actually might have been some, born somewhere else. Um, but this is what was written on his ID card. Um, and I think it's also very telling that there's mystery around Pope Krulus even in this. Um, because Pope Krulus is a man of mystery because so little came out. Right? So little came out of his, of his mouth. Um, so he's born in, in 1902 in August. And then his family moved to Damanhur, Bahira. Um, and then they moved at some point back to Tukhnasar. And I'm saying all these details for a reason because, again, I want you to be thinking about yourselves here too. This constant moving does something to somebody, right? When you're constantly moving, if you've known anyone that's had to relocate multiple times, it has an impact. Um, his father, Yusuf Ata, was a general manager of a landowner, which is probably why from a young age that Aizir, which is his name at birth, um, Isaac Yusuf Atta was used um, to moving around. His father was religious, um, classic pious deacon. Um, apparently had a good voice and apparently was very good at calligraphy. The fact that it was brought up that he's good at calligraphy means it must have been a big deal. 
um, like something that he was really into. Um, so he was an artsy. Um, his family was middle class. Okay, so he's not upper crust completely, but he's not in poverty. Uh, they prayed together. Wonder if we do that today. Um, and a big thing in the household actually was reading the lives of the saints as a family, and I really think that's a big deal. His mother, Esther, uh, died early when he was only about 10. His father would remarry, um, and so he would become the third child of eight when, when you add on the kids from the second marriage. So we're going to go through a lot of these anecdotes about this period of his life you've heard, even if you haven't read the book, right? Um, but we'll paste them together and, and go somewhere with it. So Hannah, his brother, who wrote uh, the first half of the, the biography of him written, um, recalls that the family home was always open to monks from the nearby Baramos Monastery, because um, St. Anthony's wasn't available to them. And as they traveled the country to collect donations, they would need to go around and stay at people's houses, okay? Because the monasteries were in decrepit shape back then. Very few people became monks. They were always in destitute. And so actually monasteries would claim certain geographical regions as their own. Right, So it would be like, this is where we collect donations because without them, they couldn't survive. Right, This wasn't about pomp and grandeur. It was if they didn't get money, they, they, they were not going to live. Um, so apparently before his fourth birthday in 1906, an elderly monk by the name of Buena Tadros of Boromosi knocked on the family door and he was accompanied by someone named Sawiros who would assist him because Buena couldn't see very well. And Aizer was mesmerized right, at the image of, of, of the monk. Um, he gazed in innocent curiosity, this is Hannah's recalling of it, at the monk's long white beard. And after being maksuf keta shai at the beginning, um, apparently lost all of that, um, and he started climbing um, and smothering Abuna, right? So, like, think of the little kids, like the ones at the back, right, where they're just, like, into it, and then they're just climbing um, Abuna which is not the image of Pope Carlos that you're used to seeing in the, in the stern pictures. Um, but at one point he did that. Um, it was hot, um, and the evening grew long. And as the parents started talking about all the boring stuff, um, Aizer knocked out in Abuna's lap, just knocked out falling asleep. And his mother, Esther, was embarrassed, so she started apologizing and she wanted to take away Isaac, and that's the famous line where Bunatajar said, leave him alone, right? Let him sleep here. Um, he is from our stock. He is one of us, right? This was the, f the first prophetic voice. Now, keep in mind what I'm about to say. Isaac was asleep, okay? So this wasn't like he heard it and he's like, okay, like now I'm going to enact what Abuna said. Um, but Isaac must have sp spiritually like understood it. The soul of children, the souls of children are very pure, right? Especially if they're raised in the fear of the Lord as Isaac was. Children can actually sense and often see holiness. Um, they're very acute in their, in their, in their spiritual vision. And this recognition of, of Isaac, of, of these holy men and vice versa, the holy men of him, is a result of purity, right? That's its own thing just to think about because if you're pure, you can see this way as well. Um, but he said, his brother says, after this, Azir changed. Right, that's what I'm saying, and it's not like he heard it. Right, this four-year-old wouldn't wear new clothes. 
unless it was covered by a black gilabay. And and it says that he was he was stubborn about this, right? So like if you can imagine like little kids like no, I'm wearing that one, right? And it's like this is new, like I don't care. Put the gilabay on it, right? That's the only thing that he was willing to do. He wrote, since my early youth, this is Isaac himself, later on as, as Abuna writing, I was inclined to quietness, seclusion, and I would wear black clothing. He acknowledges it himself. As an aside, I wonder if parents today would stop their kid from doing this. Right? Like, imagine if Esther had said, don't do that. That's weird. Right? And they say, what are the people going to say? You look like a freak. Right? What are they going to think? And Like, I think that's what most parents would have said. Um, they'd be worried that he's weird, right? I'm just saying, you never know what you're inhibiting. You never know what you're inhibiting when you interfere. The next major incident that's also famous was the Rafa'a, like last night, um, only it was for Lent. So Isa would have been still in primary school, which in North America is like grade one to five. Um, and the feast before, because we don't know which year it was, the feast before Lent was prepared. And as you all know, the night before Lent, everyone pigs out. Um, because apparently gluttony is not a sin when it's the night before a fast. Um, and Azar asked why, like, just think about what kind of question this is. As everyone's just, like, stoked that they're going to eat. And Azar walks in asking the question of, like, why should others have plain bread when we have all of this? Right? That's where his mind is at in grade one to five. Right? That's the, 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 the thought on his mind. And he asked, and how can this even happen when there's a poor Kurdish family living next door that were Muslims? So they're, they're immigrants and they're Muslims with no income, living on bare necessities. And Aizer, at this young age, is sincerely concerned about them. Right? Like, what kind of level of sensitivity is that? He states that they should expediently offer the food for Christ's sake and that they eat little. And what do you say when the five-year-old, I mean, he's probably more like eight or nine at this point, right, is saying, how can you feast when that people are poor? We should share. I can't imagine a parent being like, no, we will not share, right? So, grudgingly, <laughs> they took all the food over to the neighbors and they had only a small meal in their, in their own house. Nobody could resist him because what he was saying was true, right? As he grew, he attracted attention. A Muslim sheikh got interested um, and noticed um, Iser's intellect. And he actually suggested that Iser attend a special school where they teach them how to memorize. They do memorization, they do penmanship, and they do arithmetic, they do math. Um, and this is a separate school than the primary school. It's like a special ed thing for advanced. Um, and so the parents thought it was a good idea. They enrolled him. And the, the sheikh actually encouraged him to go get scripture and memorize it. And so Aizer chose the Gospel of John, um, which is incredible that, like, to memorize that whole thing. And so did the sheikh. So their time spent together in memorization, this is the effect that this kid is having even on a sheikh, right? Where like the, the, he's enthralled by this kid, right? And mesmerized by it, and that he's the one encouraging him, right? And their interaction led to that. And again, keep in the back of your mind, these are the seeds of the future Pope Corlus, 
This is the same Pope Carlos who's going to be friends with Gamal Abdel Nasser and not have an issue, right? That this is the openness of his heart and the, the, the internal charisma, not the vocal, loud charisma, the spiritual charisma that draws people to him. At this age of his life also, laying the foundations, his mother Esther, she did a lot before she died. Like, he, like remember, again, she died within the first 10 years of his, of his life. Um, Esther introduced Isaac to Saint Mina. Now, Saint Mina, at the time, you've all heard of Saint Mina, almost all of us got named Mina because of Pope Krulos. Um, but before that, Marimina was not well known, right? Marimina was not on the map. Marimina was extremely famous in the fourth century, um, like, like ridiculously famous. It was at one of the like, sites of the religious world at the time where there's hundreds of altars in Mariut. And then it went into complete devastation and he disappeared off the, the face of the map. One of the reasons why we fast November 25th for Advent was to make sure we don't start fasting on Aid Marimina because no one's going to do it. Right? It's like Thanksgiving in, in the States when it's in November, like no, no one cares. Right? So it was the same thing where like there's no way that you can start then, just wait a day and then do it. It's unfortunate when it's a leap year. Um, so his mother introduced him to Marimina, who is, I said, not popular. Um, and it's also cool because Marimina is famous now because of Pope Krulus, but I guess technically because of Esther, really. Um, is the reason why, because she's the one who made Pokoros love him. So Esther would take them to the, the Mulid, right, the feast um, in Ibiar to celebrate the Feast of the Saint. Now, these Mulids, I don't know if any of you have them in Egypt, they're a big party. So there's tens, there's extra extravaganza, there's, there's a religious side to it, but there's food and fireworks. Um, and so it's like a big event, Muslims go to it, it's not, it's not all religious, so it's a party. Um, People would literally camp there for a week, right? Celebrate the feast on the 24th, and then they'd leave. But this made him infatuated with St. Mina, right? This sense of otherness, right? This, we're going to this place to celebrate this person. Um, and it left a deep impression on young Isaac's heart. In spite of the food and fireworks, Isaac, who liked black alabeas, stayed in church. They'd be doing their whole thing, but Isaac was staying in church. Um, he was still, extremely still, very connected with the martyr. And we'll say more about this later on. Um, and I, I'm, I'm speculating. I wonder if it was the anonymous nature of the great Marimina that drew Isaac. Um, perhaps it was that Marimina was the city boy who also was monkish, um, because St. Mina did have this quasi-monastic stint thing going on for a bit. Um, a great soldier who became a monk, essentially. Um, but we will see that Aizir, who would become Mina and then Krulus, will share so much in common with Saint Mina. That there's this personality exchange going on. Both will be wonder workers. Both will be city and desert. Both will stand up to corruption. Both will change the world. At the age of eight, the family moves to Alexandria, which at the time had a population of only about half a million. It's here that Esther would pass away. Um, and here he would become acquainted. It's very interesting to see how God works because he'd be acquainted with the diocese over which one day he would be bishop, right? Like the Pope of Alexandria is technically the Bishop of Alexandria, right? So he was in his home diocese having no idea this was going to be 
actually his diocese. Um, and here we see Isaac starting to change, right? Isaac becomes even more serious. He didn't like empty talk, vain talk, useless joking. Um, he would push the family to have more spiritual conversation. Um, he was already acting fatherly as a child, right? That was already starting to, to show his personality. And yet at the same time, we see these weird interruptions where he could still be n normal. And I'm using air quotes because it's not really normal. It's, like, I guess, spiritual normal. Um, there's a funny story that's in the Buna Daniel's book that you don't find in some of the other accounts where apparently um, one day Hannah came home to like pandemonium. The two of Isaac's sisters are screaming and Isaac has uh, folded up a towel and he's whipping um, his sisters and they're squealing and running, which is cute. What's not normal about it is that the reason that he was doing it was that he was angry that not only were they not reading the Bible, but they didn't have one. That was the source of his, his outburst. Um, and so his brother laughingly like had the moldor, uh, calmed the whole situation. But then other stuff was going on at the same time that gives us a little bit of insight. This is why history matters about the way that Isaac was being formed. Um, this is a weird time in history in Egypt. It's not spending a long time of, in it. And keep in mind that like 1914 to 1918 is the first world war. It was a pretty big deal. Um, these things are happening in the background and, and, and the world war didn't start by accident. You know what I mean? So there's upheaval in the whole world. And in Egypt, there's already a lot of upheaval between the occupation of the British, right? the nationalistic movement to start a revolution. There's a lot going on and it's loud and Alexander is one of the hubs, right? So he is right in the thick of it. Um, in fact, his dad was now the general manager for somebody who's a leader in it's the Wevd party. It's a famous party historically. Um, but this boss eventually would actually become prime minister of Egypt. Okay, so what I mean is like, he's really in the thick of it. So he's in the place where the underground meetings, the movement, everything's happening. He's right there, right? So it's not like this is somewhere distant where he's not hearing about it. It's, and I, I'm, I'm overly emphasizing on purpose because of, I want us to think about how impacted we would be when that's happening. Um, and it's said that he was patriotic like that he was a patriot, um, except that he was not incessantly talking about the revolution while others were. That wasn't his main thing to talk about, um, which is so opposite of us, right? Like for us, every new thing that happens, it was like, look, COVID, look, mask, look, BLM, look, George Floyd, look, Ukraine, look, and like nonstop and we were, we're, and we all have a lot to say all the time about all of it, even if we've never even heard of the Ukraine before this week. But Pope Cordless, at that young age, started the famous saying that he would be known for later of saying, you fill the air with talk. Right? Which I, I love that expression. Right? Or just like, you're just filling the air with words. Right? That's, that's all you're doing. 
So at the age of 16, and after a lot of political turmoil, turmoil the collapse of the Ottoman Khedives and a growing unrest from the British, uh, towards the British, sorry, a secular movement towards revolution began. Um, in November 13th, when he was 16, Saad Zaghloul, he's a famous figure in Egypt, went with a party to demand independence. And it was rejected, and he ended up being arrested and exiled to Malta. That event, the reason I'm bringing it up, is like, that made Egypt just burst into protest and riots, right? So think about, again, like George Floyd, right? After George Floyd happened and everyone took to the streets, we have something of that magnitude is happening in Egypt. So the, 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 the country is in pandemonium and that's all anybody is talking about. Um, martial law got enforced over the country. This is literally exactly what happened during that time. Um, plundering, looting, railways were destroyed, which is a really big deal back then. Um, and the revolution began. And the church was heavily involved, very heavily involved. Um, and again, I'm using this to say that even when the church is involved, let's look at the character of Aizer through these very same scenarios. There's a, a priest, a famous priest named Umm Sergius, who apparently preached 59 days straight in Al-Azhar against the British. Okay, so it's bizarre that there's a priest in Al-Azhar and he's not really preaching Christianity. Um, but this is where these famous things started of long live the crescent and the cross, slogans that were even in the, the recent revolution in Egypt. Um, religion is for God and the nation for all. Like these were when those things were formed. And at the age of 20, Egypt was independent again. Somewhere in all of this noise, Isaac finishes his education, like about two years before independence. He gets a job with Thomas Cook, the famous uh, company even today. Um, his ID card, which will be in the picture of the time, shows him wearing the tarbush, the fez, um, which indicates that he's a white collar worker, right? He's a big deal. Um, Every morning he'd pray at St. Mark's Cathedral at Mahatat al-Ramla in Alexandria, um, like we said, where he'd eventually become bishop. Um, and I'm just, I envision in my head, I'm like, that's so weird. You're going to the place of your throne every week, right? Like imagine if like Ambamina had visited in like 1980 here and been praying here every week, having no idea that like 30 something years later, this would be the seat of his diocese, right? So like, he was doing that and had no idea. Um, so he'd pray daily, and there's this famous story that his boss, the general manager, is a very strict per person, and he paid attention to punctuality. And as you know, Egyptians are exceptionally punctual. Um, and Aizer was <laughs> accused of being late. And he was such a boss. Like, he's the boss is standing, the actual boss is standing at the door, and the legit boss is coming to work. Um, and boss is like, you're late. And Azar literally just goes, nope. He's like, it's nine, so I'm not late. Um, but he said it calmly, with confidence, to the point that apparently the general manager walked away quietly, found Azar's direct boss, and says, I'm proud of this guy um, who respects himself. He's not avoiding me. Um, he, he carries himself with dignity. And this is the period where we, it's a complete mystery, which is so common in Pope Carlos's life because, again, almost nothing personal 
of, of internal events comes out of the man, um, something happened. Um, <laughs> perfect timing. Um, <laughs> matches the mood. We may see <laughs> something suddenly expansive and overwhelming in his desire for monasticism um, took over his life. Everything is deeper with the musical background. Um, that changed it. Um, other other people his age, think about it. Like I saw this when I graduated from, from university where like suddenly everyone was like, which car are they going to get? And they wanted to get the most expensive car. Everyone's comparing what houses they're going to get and showing off their bling and, and, and all that stuff. That's the, the, the normal for people when they first graduate when they're making money. As there was nothing like that. He wasn't accumulating wealth. Um, he wasn't searching for a partner. He wasn't chilling nonstop. All of his spare time was absorbed in liturgy and prayer, and his family started to notice very dramatic differences. Every evening, he'd be locked in his room in prayer, reading scripture, um, and they weren't sure what was coming, right? They, they couldn't understand what was happening. Um, Aizer, and I want you to keep in mind, like, today we can read a hundred million monastic books, right? Like, if you want to read The Paradise, you can just buy it on Amazon, right? You can get Life of Macarius, Life of Ants, you have all these books. That wasn't a thing in Aizer's time. So, the reason I'm saying that is that his, his behaviors, that to us are like, yeah, yeah, that's monastic. That's not something that he would have just like heard about like here like because we've heard stories like Pope Cordless being like yeah 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 he would not have been hearing those as I'm trying to get at this is the natural movement of Isaac it's not something learned it's something intrinsically um, coming out um, he started closing his his room he treated like a cell that nobody could enter right so his room was off limits completely um, no one in the family was allowed to enter so they could only see the outside of Isaac, right? Whatever was going on on the inside, they could not access. Um, and that's probably why this turning point, whatever it is, nobody knows, right? We have no idea. He slept on the floor and started practicing the life of a solitary in his room. He ate very little. Um, there's a letter that's later on in the book that I want to, that I'll, I'll read you a piece from that Abuna Daniel has in, in the book. All the letters to Abuna Daniel's book, we didn't have access before it. Um, that I think might be casting light on how Isaac was living and thinking. Because he sent this letter much later in his life to his brother, giving him advice on how to live in the world. And usually that kind of advice is coming from what you did. Right? That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm using it. Because it, it might be giving insight as to what he was thinking when he did it. Um, now, before you get mad at Isaac for what he's saying, like, wow, extremist, he's not asking you to do it, right? And he was being asked, how can I live in a particular way, right? And Isaac is giving an insight that I think we should take seriously, but again, bear that in mind. This is Isaac's instruction, actually later on, Abuna's instruction to his brother, Hannah. Commit yourself to go straight from home to work and vice versa. Likewise, to church and spiritual meetings. Don't hurry in walking except when necessary. Don't be walking um, fast and, and mistagani. Do not turn right and left when walking on the street. I, like, these are extremely ascetical that might be lost. Like, don't even look. 
Don't, don't stimulate the senses. Look straight ahead while walking, praying in your heart, Lord, take care of me. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Oh, my Lord Jesus Christ, deliver me from any offenses. When you come back from work, take off your clothes, wash your face, and rest for a little. If you want to have some recreation, you can go outside far from noise and ponder the works of the Creator and the beauty of nature. Do not reflect too much on the affairs of life. Do not worry about anything. Cast your burdens on the Lord and He shall sustain you. Do not stay too late outside. It is better not to be out after 8 o'clock. Um, again, social life there is different from now. Like everyone's going to freak out about the 8 o'clock part more than anything else. But um, think about what he's saying. Right? This is what's forming his mind. Of saying, don't get distracted by things. Don't stimulate your curiosity by finding out more. Right? Because where do, where do most of our wrongs come from? They start with a thought. How do our thoughts start to be formed from the input? So Isaac is cutting to the root of just saying, control your inputs. If you control your inputs, you'll control your outputs, right? You won't run into problems because they won't even arise, right? He's, but this is his way of thinking. So there's more to what he's doing privately. There's Matanya's, he's sleeping early, he's getting up early. Basically, he was a monk in the world. And when he'd leave, for Isaac, it would just be a change of location, right? It wouldn't be a new way of life for Isaac when he joined the monastery. Um, but he spoke none of it to anyone. Out of nowhere, June 1927, so he, a month before, a month and a half, two months max before his 25th birthday, um, just so you have in context how old this guy is um, when he's doing these things, he suddenly submits his resignation. His family freaks out. Um, so did his employer. If you can imagine, here's a 25-year-old who's quit work, and his employer asks to meet with his family to get them to convince him not to quit. Right? This is the impact that this, this person has even at work. His family loses it, like he, it becomes clear what his intention is, um, and they outright refuse. They're like, you're definitely not going to the monastery. Um, but of course, later say, I got to go when the Lord appointed it. He was aching for that moment, right? So imagine, I don't know if people can imagine that, because not, not most of you ache to join a monastery, but he was aching to be with God so much, like, imagine if... You're madly in love with somebody and you were like, you set the date for your proposal and somebody came and kiboshed it, right? That's, that's what it was to him, right? This, this, this broke, this was the kind of thing that breaks people. He wasn't broken. But um, he was upset, so he went to the metropolitan of the area, Metropolitan Uennis, who would later become Pope Uennis, um, which is also a weird theme in Isaac's life that he'll meet people before they become a big deal. Um, so his dad, Isaac's dad, was a big shot, right? So Ambu Ennis, at the time Metropolitan, knew who Isaac's dad was, and he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going against your dad. Um, and so he's like, no, I can't bless you or allow you to go to the monastery um, without your parents' um, approval. And this was even more devastating to him because why did he go to this metropolitan? Because he was in charge of Tierra Baramos. 
So it's like, this is the head of the monastery. So if the head of the monastery said, no, I'm not allowed, right? So this was extremely devastating for him. At the time, becoming a monk was crazy, okay? Like this is, I mean, some people might still think that, but for different reasons back then, okay? Um, how could a 25-year-old man throw a sex successful life for something worse than a peasant's existence, right? In all ages, um, people already find monasticism a bit weird, right? Um, for most people, it's incomprehensible, and for some people, it's just outright messed up, right? Like, no, something's wrong with you if you're going there. Um, and this was even worse during the early 20th century because most monasteries were in horrific ch shape. Most monks were extremely uneducated, socially awkward. Um, that was kind of like, if you didn't make it in life, there's always the monastery, right? That was how it was viewed. It was like, you can't get married, you can't afford a shepka, you can't afford a dowry. Right? There's, that's a good option for you. So it was not the place to go for success. It's where you went because you failed at everything else. Otherwise, there's like, no, there's something, there, there got to be something weird about you. Um, no one basically from a decent family would go to a monastery. Right? It would be a sign of something being wrong with your family and your status. Um, but all of their petitions and advice to him were in vain. He didn't care what they said, right? That was irrelevant to him. When he was rejected by M.B. Ennis, then he was heartbroken. Um, his boss thought the best way to like, console him would be to offer him a substantial raise. Um, if he returned, he's like, I'm not going back. Um, and this is where we get a hint that he had relationships with people at church that we don't know that much about. Um, they must have been very good because their intervention went far. There's an archdeacon at his church, Archdeacon Iskander, um, who Hannah, his brother, went to go see. And the archdeacon actually defended Isaac, which was not expected. Right? That was not expected. And he told Hannah to leave him alone and not to block his way. And then he revealed something about Isaac that gives us, again, a small insight into him. He said... Isaac already has a diary organized in alphabetical order in which he writes the verses with whatever explanation I've given him. This is like Isaac's methodology, right? He has read the entire scriptures, knows their every meaning. He conducts his life in accordance with the biblical demands. Hannah, leave him. He has a bright and joyful future. And this intercession had a huge impact. This intercession made Hannah go back to their father and says, you know what, Baba, maybe let him go. So his father eases off a little bit and says, you know what, Habibi, let's go pray liturgy together. And remember, this is a very religious family. Let's pray liturgy together. And as God directs you, then we will all accept. So they went to the liturgy together and they prayed. They received Eucharist. Um, and then um, his father gave in. And also we find out that Isaac's father confession, who also is Isaac's dad's father confession, which is very handy, Abu um, Yohanna, again, against the social norms of the time, was adamant that this was God's will. Right? That God pressed all the right buttons for him at the right time, which is something very common to a true calling from God. So then Isaac could now return to Abu Yohanna with his father, but the Metropolitan still tried to dissuade him um, and he's worried that, you know, city boys ain't going to make it. Um, 
most people were illiterate in the monastery and Isaac could speak English and was rich, right? He's like, you're not going to make it, dude. Um, like, like, you don't know what you're walking into. These are the responses Isaac gives, right? That's like, again, think about how you'd respond in the situation versus him. I'm like, you don't know me, right? Is how most of us would be like that. You don't judge me. Um, Isaac's response was so Antonian. Um, the best thing. His response to, you're not going to make it, you're a city boy, all this stuff was, my hope and trust in God is very strong. Not, yes, I can. Right? It's like the confidence that he has, like, no, I, I have confidence, just not in me. I'm confident that, yes, God can, can make this work. Um, I believe that if you bless and ask the Lord to grant me strength and success, I will succeed. The Lord Jesus Christ is fair and will not forget those who love him. Again, just like this issue with the neighbors, it's like, how do you argue with that? Like, no, 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 he will forsake you. Like, what do you say to that? Right? There's, there's nothing to say. And you end perceiving the strength and tenacity of Isaac. Um, couldn't resist and conceded blessing him, saying, I will prepare your path towards monasticism. And then Isaac's response is, who am I, the despicable? Right? It, it's not this triumphant, did it, right? Like his, I'm just, like, get into the, the spirit of, of this man, right? Who am I, the despicable? What is my situation? They think it's a big deal that I gave up a position? Who am I? Next to Maximus and Domedius, the sons of the emperor, the sons of the king, who abandoned the world to gain the everlasting kingdom, giving up kingdoms and wealth, because those two saints were Baramos, right? For the sake of being the love of the king of kings, I wish I could be the dust on their feet. Only he's not faking. These aren't just words for Isaac. So Isaac would now die, and the monk Mina would finally emerge. I'm just going to meditate on some lessons. We'll pick up from his journey tomorrow of what that looked like, the transformation into the hermit, to the transformation to the city monk, transformation to Pope. There's a lot of spiritual training. And I'm, the reason I want to emphasize is that we go on crucial in life and don't recognize that real life is its own spiritual training. Right? We want something extravagant or something really explicitly said to us all the time. Right? But often your own circumstances are themselves your training. Right? If you want to be like, how do I become holy? How do I make our decisions? Like, start with right? Start with the decisions that matter to where you are. By moving around against his will because of Father's job, he's already having his will challenged all the time. Right? Like it or not, I don't have a say in this. That's a training. Right? Most of us get mad if we don't get our way. It's like, why don't you take it as a way of training of being like, it's good to not get my way. The more that I learn how to get my way, the less angry I'll be, which is one of the reasons why Pope Carlos was not a very angry man. Right? He was completely fine with being opposed, and very opposed he will be for his whole life to his death. The religious parents play a role in this raising. They prayed, they prayed read the Bible, lies of the saints together. Do you roll your eyes if your family ever suggests reading the Bible or praying? Right? You had to go through a lot of changes quickly. Not just the moves, multiple siblings. His mother died. 
right? He has half-siblings, right? We don't think about the saints as having normal lives, right? Here's a person who had step-siblings. That's not even like the normal circumstance for many people, right? But again, they learned how to acclimate and how these things. He was exposed to things outside of the norm. His exposure to holiness, right? Seeing the pious monks evoke something from him. Everyone's spirit, including yours, is willing to take things in if your spirit is healthy. This speaks equal to the health of Isaac's spirit, but also to the upbringing that his parents provided. Right? This is where they also did him big service. They nurtured and cared for his spirit. Muslims were allowed into his house. He was taught that people are people. Right? He befriended the sheikh. He lived through much external turmoil, the revolution, the war, the violence, the unrest, the gossip, the loudness. But yet, in spite of all of it, he practiced stillness. So when people say it's impossible to find a time to, to step out, I'm like, he had it pretty loud. Right? Like, his, his dad was working for the prime minister. Right? Everything was a mess. Church, everyone was screaming and yelling. So it's, he, he can relate. Right? So you can't say, I, 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 no, 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 the, the pace of the world, you know, you just can't do it. You can do it. His mother and father made home spiritual, and I wonder if you guys think that's a big deal. Imagine, I'm, just, I'm thinking about how we function in modern life. Imagine if, you're, if, if, if parents day, because this is the norm, or like, can we have liturgy at like 6 p.m. for Easter because my kids have bedtime? Imagine if you put your kids to sleep early and that kid didn't sit on the monk's lap. That changed the course of our church's history, right? Of, of, of being like, no, it's important for me that my kid see this, that my kid be nurtured in this way. Right? Imagine if you said, we're not going to the mulid because that, that's going to conflict with our sleep schedule when they're horrible the next day. Right? Can't get them down. They're just so unruly. Right? That's how we think. Right? Um, would the objects and the atmosphere enter him because they did something to him? Right? His commitment to learning, even school, taught him to memorize. That skill carried him later in life. Are you committed with the small? Right? His commitment in those small things made him incredibly skilled at really big things. Because he wasn't saying, I'll do it when it's big. Right? He did it when it mattered all the time. That makes a big difference in life. Another thing, objects. Objects can help you spiritually. Right? The black Galabaya thing. Okay, it's weird, right? Like socially, it's not, it's definitely not normal, right? But objects do something, right? There's nothing wrong with having something that makes you feel or think in a particular way if it's right, right? Or that little notebook that we got a hint of from the Archdeacon, right? Like, I bet you that book was very treasured to him, where he alphabetically like put it together, I'm sure that to him this was a very intimate object, right? That these things really can make a difference. When I was in high school, late high school, when I started going to the monasteries, the, the monks would teach me a bunch of things. They told me like always have a hand cross. They didn't care whether you're a priest, male, female, doesn't matter, have a cross, right? But then because I was gonna have a cross, 
I put it in my pocket and like, okay, obviously it needs to be the right side because right's right. But then I'd feel guilty if I put something in my pocket that's not holy with the cross. Right? Why am I saying this? Because for them, like since 2000, my right hand, my right pocket is consecrated. Right? Where I'm like, I can't put stuff in my right pocket if it's not religious. Right? But that has had an impact on me. Like, it's weird, sure, but it's had an impact on me. Because sometimes even if I'm having maybe bad thoughts, sometimes all I need to do is touch my right-hand pocket. Just to physically say, connect myself to holiness. Right? Remember, there is something sacred. Right? And then that in impacts the consecration of my mind. Right? These things can be a big deal. Think about that. Do you have these things um, in your life? Ta'izir, people were clearly on his mind. This is a big thing. And I think it's a thing that's so missing from our generation. He observed people. He could see, he could observe their interiorness, right? He noticed something alive in the monk who came, but he also noticed his Kurdish neighbors, right? It's not just obvious right in front of you because the guy's wearing a black galabay. Okay, we don't notice that he's different. Right, but he knows something different with his spear. But now he's noticing his 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 neighbors. Um, he was in primary school, right, like grade one to five, but noticed that they were destitute and had nothing. Right, what kind of thoughts are you having when it's an active thought on your mind of like, hey, those people are suffering. That's a person who's not self-obsessed. Right? How many of you ever noticed that? How many of you think about any time you've been on the SkyTrain or whatever it's called here, the Metro, or any public transit, have actively noticed regularly other people's states of being? How many of you know anything about your neighbors down the street to begin with? Right? This is, good job. Um, this is something that most of us are not like. Um, this awareness of others, this seeing Christ in others and acting as Christ to others is a big deal. Um, and furthermore, in the, the case of the Kurdish family, to Muslims, right? He was a man for all, even as Christ was for all. Decorations and festivities can help us a lot, right? And this one I really related to to, to Isaac's mind, right? my relationship to St. Anthony is in Egypt. The objects, the smoke, the placement, like especially to a young mind when church was, was becoming new to me, right? Like in that way of being like, what's happening here, right? Seeing like even, this can sound just so cheesy, but it was such a big deal to me. Like I won't forget the image like my first few times at the monastery when the monks finish Egbeya and especially because I had no idea it was coming next because it was all foreign to me. Um, and then they just suddenly formed this line across to do Tezbaha and it sounded heavenly. I'm like, what is this? Like, I want, I want to join. I don't care what they're saying. I don't understand a word. I just want to sing with them. You know, like on, on bus rides when you're going on church trips and there's all the folk songs and everyone's singing? We're like, I don't even know the words. I just want to with them. Right? It was one of those. I'm like, I don't even care what you're saying. I don't even care if it's about God. I just want to sing with you. Right? It, it, it does something. It does something very, very real. 
This encounter with holiness is huge, right? Have you ever gone into a church and just closed your eyes, right? And just listened to what's going on. Have you ever gone to a place and always stood in the exact same spot, the same pew, the same spot in the pew, the same spot near the sanctuary? Do you know the smells and tastes of spiritual places even in your homes, right? A person who's attentive internally, as Isaiah was, will be able to see with these eyes. And you think, this is how Isaac could do it, because that's what he was doing, right? And something imprints and implants on the spirit such that you feel like you're holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, um, completely a part of that place, right? I can go in my head to where I stood in Pascha every week at my home church and kitchen, right? Of being like, that was my spot, right? And there's something different about Pascha for me if I'm standing in that spot. Right, and now that I'm always at Pascha and to me a foreign church, right, I'll mentally be like, I'm back in my spot, because it did something. It enters us. Our encounters with the Holy do something. Isaac wasn't afraid to confront the family. First of all, he noticed the difference between idle and healthy joking. That's already a big deal. That he knew the difference. That he could say, this kind of joking is really good, this kind is not, right? Second, he was willing to stand up and question the family about behavior. Same thing with beating his sisters up for not reading the Bible, right? This kind of thing can only come from conviction, right? And it can only come from someone who has a very healthy sense of self in the right way. Do you notice when your speech or jest is idle? Do you have the boldness to question the behavior? Right? Imagine if you're with a group of friends and gossiping. It's not that hard to imagine we do it all the time. Do you have the thought to question it and say, hey, I think we're gossiping? Actually, I think I just judged right? ourselves, let alone the whole crew. And, and this aspect of Pope Cross, by the way, never changed. I had the blessing of knowing a woman who passed away from California who Pope Cross was appearing to her all the time. Uh, for the last year and a half of her life very regularly. It's on Samira, if you haven't heard of her. Um, and I distinctly remember one time, Tan Samira was a riot, but that's its own topic, but um, she was very upset with somebody. And she's like, that guy! Um, and she went on and on and on, and then suddenly the whole place filled with Hanult and Bukhur, um, and then Tan Samira burst into tears. And she said, Baba said, stop judging, and don't stop, don't speak badly about anybody, right? And like even beyond, right? That this is what he appeared to say of like, let me know sick, right? Like I'm confronting you even now. <laughs> I just don't have a towel. Um, do you take spiritual discipline seriously? Would you be upset if your family member doesn't read their Bible? Would that get to you in the same way? Would you lose sleep over it? I mean, I, how, how can I go? Like, someone needs to talk to them. Do you have that sense of urgency? Would you challenge them? And yet he submitted to the authority of his older brother with the towel incident, right? He accepted rebuke, and we'll see a lot of that in the future stories as well. Um, Ten minutes max, and, and I'm done, sorry. Um, less than that, even. Um, sorry, thank you for your patience, guys. He had a spiritual father which is very important if you don't have one, who understood him, clearly understood him, 
right? That even against all social norms was able to say, leave him alone, this is God's will. But do you seek those? Imagine if he didn't have those, is what I'm trying to get at. If he didn't have the spiritual father and the mentor, the fight about the monastery would have been dead in his track. Those relationships that he might not ever have thought would result in that are why he got to go, right? They ended up being the intercessors for him. Do you seek those, right? And he could love the country, but wasn't confused that virtue came before country. Right? He has them in the right order. This is particularly relevant, I think, in how we deal with things today. Right? COVID, God rest his soul, kind of-ish, um, became an extremely divisive thing, not just in the country, but in the church, just like the revolution was during his time. Right? If we were more like Pope Krulus, all of us, if we were all like Isaac, would it have been? If we were all more like Isaac, would it have been divisive in the church? I highly doubt it. Incessant talk about where you stand. When I wrote this, it was Texas abortion laws. Now it's Roe v. Wade. As a random example. I wonder if this is something Pope Cordelus would have said or Isaac has said. You're filling the air with words. Why is this all you're all talking about? Right? Like, the, why is that a thing? When people interrogate the church for individual members' stance on elections, because that was a thing for them too, what would you have done? Right? It says that the mosque and the churches, the religious institutions, they were speaking about these issues. So like Isaiah was standing in contrast even to the norm of the churches at the time, right? Because he had in the right order what matters. And he was a child when a lot was going on, but the political events and positioning were no less than they are today. Okay? His boldness of truth was not something just with family, but at work, the whole year late incidents, right? He was always bold in, in the truth. He had a character that was confident in the truth. It wasn't self-satisfied. It wasn't egotistical. It was rooted in reality. That's why he could confront his eminence about the monastery. Right? I'm talking about these little things are what made the big things possible, right? Because he wasn't being arrogant, saying, no, this is just the truth. That's why he could stand in front of his eminence and say, no, I would like to join, and I do believe the grace of God will support me. It was a confidence in God, not himself. But people only think of those words, as we're trying to get at. You'll only have that thought if that's real to you. How many of you would be able to randomly make up a response of, I have confidence that God will grant me success? Such a simple sentence. But how many of you could even invent that as a response. It's not how most of us think, right? It would be like, can you just give me a try, right? And if I don't, like, you can kick me out, right? Whereas his first line of defense is God, obviously, right? That was where he went right away. With what seriousness do you take the ascetical practices he had in the world? His sleeping early. Um, Isa never had FOMO because he was always where he wanted to be. So there was no FOMO. He stripped his body of comforts, not just, not, not just unnecessary ones, which is what helped him not need or want those things later. These are why, these are why. So I'm trying to make a point of this is how Pope Cordelus got formed. Why could nobody bribe Pope Cordelus? Because Isaac couldn't care less about money. Not because Pope Cordelus couldn't care less about money 
because Isaac couldn't care less. You couldn't buy Pope Corliss by fame or, or public opinion because Isaac didn't care how anyone thought of him. He only cared what God thought about anything, right? It's formed in the small, reflected in the big. There is a very huge value in asceticism. And Isaac, the layman, practice asceticism. We think that's for monks and nuns. It's not. It's for all of us regular folk. So sure he was called, sure he was marked, that much is clear. But that's different from saying that God made him that way. It was more like God was pointing at him saying, this guy, right? We can't say he was lucky, like he had special circumstances compared to others. We can't say that society was more religious then than it is now. Isaac was not different than his surroundings. It's just that Isaac was not conforming to the world and his ability to do this would carry him throughout the rest of his life. He doesn't feel the need to become his surroundings. He does gospel in his surroundings and then changes the surroundings by just doing gospel. He longed for holiness, longing for the monasteries, like longing to marry a particular girl and being afraid of anyone that might say no. He was thirsty for God. A man of prayer, I'll end with this, a man of prayer is formed in real life, not in fiction. I'm going to repeat that over and over. Let there be no thought that he became prayerful because everything around him was easy. It was not. Nothing was easy about his environment. It's not because everything, everything just working out for him in the normal way. Prayer is a, dis, is a disposition. It's a position of the self before God. It's a state of being. It sometimes involves activity, but it's not an activity. It's something that was worked on and through, and the child Iser is very much part of Pope Carlos VI. Man of prayer is not necessarily weird. A man of prayer is not necessarily silent all the time. It's not necessarily uninvolved in life or church or nation. But a man of prayer knows how to be, how to exist in all times and all places. So stop and think where you, where you are, Isaac, right now. He's 25 when he goes to the monastery. Think of the life decisions and the ways that you reacted to everything in your life until now and ask, do you choose holiness? Do you choose labor? Do you choose asceticism? Do you choose passion for the creator? What do you choose? Because Isaac was not trying to mimic anyone. Isaac was being Isaac, and Isaac chose God. Glory be to God forever. Amen. We'll continue uh, with the next tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, you said you are glorified in your holy ones. Teach us to meditate on the lives of those who were illumined before us that lived in the darkness and lit up in the darkness to become light of the world, even as you have said to us that we are the light in the image of your true light. 
Grant us that we follow in the path of prayer, in the path of peace, in the path of virtue. The intercession of the Holy Mother, Theotokos, St. Mary, St. Athanasius Apostolic, St. Anthony the Great, and St. Pope Corliss, when we pray about Thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever and ever. The love of God, the Father, grace, and the God, and the Son, the communion, give to us with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all.